This is VLX number 127, Your King is Coming. We are in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. VLX stands for Video Lexio Divina, the Patristic Bible Study and Ignatian Prayer Series Online. God give you his peace in nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. God our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. And just three short announcements for you. You know, at every Mass of mine, I say towards the beginning of the Roman canon, for all my benefactors, spiritual and material, mentioned that on the last RCT, so just know I pray for you and I thank you. You can follow me on Telegram, more of the uh, church and state commentary that I have. The podcast or more catechesis Telegram is uh, off in my blog and church and state thoughts. Also, my mom is back in the hospital. If you could please pray for her. So you remember the joy and the glory in the last VLX where Jesus had just healed two blind men to the astonishment of the crowds. But where did this happen? This was on the way from Jericho to Jerusalem, two cities that you can still find in Israel. Why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? This is to mount his life-giving cross for this triumph over death, trampling down death by death, as we say or hear in the Eastern Divine Liturgies. So after three years of VLX, we finally get to the Passion of Jesus, just in time for Lent if you're doing this in real time. But isn't this amazing that a week of Jesus' life is more than a third of Matthew's Gospel? You know, modern Catholics criticize the saints for focusing too much on the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, those modernists are criticizing the Holy Spirit himself for spending a third of the life of Jesus, or rather, a third of their ink of the whole life of Jesus on just one week, which is his passion and death. In fact, St. John's Gospel, as you know, is even more, because as we're going to see, almost half of St. John's Gospel is that one week of Jesus' torture and resurrection. Shouldn't that tell you what is important to God himself. But today, finally, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. We might have a whole extra year of VLX on the passion and death of Jesus here. And when we get to John, if we haven't had nuclear war, Jesus hasn't returned by the time we get to John, which is like five, six, seven years out on the VLX series, uh, we're going to see a lot from the washing the feet, the Last Supper, all the way through the resurrection accounts. But as we said before, Jesus' disciples... They are entering Jerusalem, probably thinking this is some sort of military takeover. Seems to have not really taken root in their hearts that he has said numerous times he has to be scourged and killed by the Pharisees handing him over to the Gentiles, which is the Romans. But today, as he enters into Jerusalem, he asks for a donkey. Why a donkey? It's a prophecy from the book of Zechariah that reads, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. 
So right there, we are learning Jesus is king of Jerusalem. He is king of Israel. He is king of the whole world. And so notice, it's not just that Jesus is our servant. I don't even like saying that, but this is what he's made himself to be. Uh, Our servant and our savior, but he's also your king. He's also my king. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of the Gentiles, whether they recognize him or not. This is Christ the king. He's king not not only of our hearts, but of every square inch of heaven and earth. And we will notice that before ruling in glory, he chooses to rule in pain and love. Why? Well, many reasons, but one is to weed out those of us who would rule for selfish reasons. He wants those to rule with him who would also rule on a seat of pain and love and humility. As you know, most people back then, just like today, they want to follow a glorious Savior, but rarely do people want to follow a crucified Savior and do what he did and endure what he endured. But now Jesus is preparing to enter Jerusalem, especially for the Last Supper, which is the same sacrifice as what will happen on Calvary. The Mass and Calvary is one single sacrifice. That's one thing you should be preparing for here. But again, before both of these is this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which we obviously celebrate on Palm Sunday. And then all four of these feasts, Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday, all four of these are in seminal form in today's gospel as Jesus tells the apostles to prepare for him entering into Jerusalem. So let's look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. Now chronologically, there are modernists, scripture scholars who don't really believe, that say this, this whole Chronology can't be reconciled with the other Gospels, especially St. John's Gospel. But Lapide shows right before today's Palm Sunday entrance into Bethphage, Jesus spent the previous night in Bethany, where he had had dinner and stayed the night. You can go find this section in Lapide, Matthew 21. I'm not going to get into it all, partly because of limited time on my end, and partly because most of the people that have made it this far in VLX are not doubting the inerrancy of Scripture. But if you need to answer your friends who say, You can't line up the parallel Gospels in St. John chronologically. You can go to that section of Lapide. Okay, but anyway, um, what we're we're learning from Lapide here is this is the Palm Sunday entrance, and then the previous night Jesus spent in Bethany where he had dinner and stayed the night. Can you imagine having Jesus over for dinner and then to spend the night? Of course, he probably stayed up all night praying, but imagine such a dinner before he stayed up all night praying that day before Palm Sunday the solemnity in him, knowing he was going to die for you. Maybe you, if you place yourself in the imaginative way of prayer, maybe you do know this at the table, maybe you don't. Just imagine having Jesus over for dinner before he approaches the Mount of Olives. Okay, but then in Matthew 21, verse 1, uh, the disciples are finally coming into Jerusalem, specifically approaching the Mount of Olives. And what does Jesus do? The word send there. It's not too interesting in English, but in Greek, it's apostelane. He apostelanes these two disciples. Apostelane in Greek is obviously the root of apostle. I really love this section of Father Lapide where he describes the theological significance of the geography here. He says, For this village of Bethpage was situated at the foot of Mount Olivet in a sort of cleft, or as it were, mouth of the hill. Again, this village was situated, so to speak, at the mouth or entrance of the Valley of Josephat. And this entrance is extremely narrow as you come from Bethphage via Mount Olivet into the Valley of Josephat and so on through the Golden Gate to the Temple. 
Hence it is very probable, as Jansen says, that Bethphage was a village of the priests in which lambs, goats, and oxen were usually kept for the temple sacrifices. Isn't this amazing? So Jesus is coming by this way for a very specific reason, that through this gate is passing by the priests where they have these lambs, goats, and oxen for slaughter. Jesus is saying he is the Lamb of God that is going to take the place of all of these. Thus from Bethphage, the priests used to fetch the Paschal lambs. Wow, think about that. The Paschal lambs. Jesus is passing, passing by the Paschal lambs. In some sense, he's not only saving your and my life, in some sense, he's even saving these lambs' life and other victims to offer them in the temple to which Bethphage was adjacent. And for this reason, Christ willed to be brought in triumph from Bethphage to the Golden Gate into Jerusalem and the temple, so as to show, Father Lapide says, so as to show that he was the lamb who takes away the sins of the world, prefigured by the Paschal lambs. So beautiful. Father Lapide continues, Again, Christ wished in his triumphal entry to pass through the Valley of Josephat. And by the way, most people in Lapide's day knew that that was the location of the apocalypse. In order to intimate that in that same valley on Judgment Day, Christ will pass his tremendous judgment upon all men and admit to heaven those who are faithful and obedient to him while consigning unbelievers and the disobedient to hell as shown in Joel 3.2. Now, therefore, he rides in triumph through this valley towards Jerusalem as her king and lord, and thus, as it were, takes possession of his kingdom, which he will then bring to a glorious consummation in the day of judgment. It is as if he said, Acknowledge me, O ye Jews, to be your Messiah, believe and obey me, that on the day of judgment, which I will accomplish in this valley of Josephat, I may award you heaven. But if ye persist in your unbelief, I shall consign you to hell. Therefore also I come from Bethania, where a few days since I raised up Lazarus from the dead, which ye have all seen and marveled at, and by this miracle, which I tacitly recall to your minds by taking this path, and by similar miracles which I have wrought, you may know that I am your Messiah, the Savior and Redeemer of the world. And then we have verse 2, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her, Untie them and bring them to me. You know, Archbishop Fulton Sheen points out here that one proof of Christ's divinity is that normally a young donkey will buck you off of it. You know, you just can't ride that. But Christ, who is the creator of the Pacific Ocean, he can certainly pacify a young donkey used to bring in his majesty into Jerusalem. In fact, Christ's mere presence is pacifying to this young donkey. And then verse 3, If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And Father Lapide points out just something moral here. Christ did not wish that the ass and her colt should be taken away against the owner's will, which he could have done by his supreme authority. For as his providence works mightily, so also sweetly. By the power of his divinity, he influenced their minds so that they should assent to the apostles losing the ass and the colt, yes, that they should cooperate with them. Christ, who for three years had always gone on foot and thus had traversed the whole of Judea, wished to show that he was the king of Judea, the Messiah, David's son and heir. Therefore he enters Jerusalem, which was the metropolis of Judea, in regal pomp. But he's not carried on a horse with splendid trappings 
or in a gilded chariot with an accompanying multitude of noble knights with trumpeters sounding, resplendent in purple robes as the kings of the earth are wont to do. Rather, he is carried on an ass to show that his kingdom is of another sort, spiritual and heavenly, and therefore meek and lowly, despising pomp. And then verse 4, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And then Father Lapide, he summarizes the prophet Zacharias, saying, Exalt greatly, the Hebrew word meod means very much, Exalt greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, as Zacharias 9.9 has it, For thy king Messiah is coming to thee to save thee. As the verse continues, Zacharias is exhorting the citizens of Jerusalem to receive with eagerness their Messiah and Savior riding on an ass. And Jerusalem is called the daughter of Zion. So notice, Jesus is not just the Savior of everyone who would one day call him Savior. Father Lapid is very clear that Jesus is the Savior of Jerusalem, of the Jews, whether they recognize him or not. He is their chance at salvation. It is Jesus. He is the one Messiah. Father Lapide says, Mystically, these things are true in the Christian church, which as Jerusalem and the daughter of Sion is the vision of peace and therefore always rejoices with Christ. And also notice again how Father Lapide summarized this prophet Zechariah in saying, Jerusalem, O daughter of Jerusalem, your King Messiah is coming to save you. To save you is the key words. Picture yourself, if you're doing the imaginative way, picture yourself on the way with palm branches in your hand, how you want to welcome that very one who would die for you in your place in that same city of Jerusalem. Please say an Our Father for my mother, et benedictio Dei omnipotentis, Patris, et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos, et maniat semper. Amen. Amen.